win. He got checked, the champ. It's going to get desperate. But a champion becomes a legend. From, from, from the card leave in the pool. Gate holders months ago. Here he comes. Boom, right over the top. But out the post, it is 15, Lance Clare. She'll have to pogo stick over the field to win from there. Strike me, Pinky, thread at the eye of the needle. Can he stay up? He'd stay till closing time. This could be set up for something special. Cassidy has to pull the whip. To the Racing and Sports in the Office review podcast, and you were fortunate enough to witness history at Randwick on Saturday, Blank, with Nature Strip bringing up the hat trick. What a beautiful intro! Yeah, it was a big day at Randwick on on Saturday, and he was probably the the highlight of it. Him and Hitotsu both did Oof. something that felt um it felt significant when they did, it. and probably unfair to not mention Fireburn in there as well. They all did something that was um yeah in a run of three races there that was um. Yeah, as I said, felt felt historically significant. And you went down and clapped the champion. I did full nuff mode. Love but him, but I realised I'd never actually since the Moyer when he held off Miss Leonidas. It's pretty much been COVID times, and I've uh-huh. been betting at home and haven't been to the track. So I got to the track on Saturday. So I um, yeah, I thought, jeez, I haven't seen much of the champ. I better get down there and clap him in. He's been a good good horse to those that. I guess have worked him out, and by worked it out, it's not that hard. It's third up in a grand final. He seems to produce his best, and the bookies let you on. Just looking at his SPs under that scenario, and on the weekend, clearly the highest rated horse of the weekend. Yeah, he is anywhere in the world because the um, we'll get to the flop in a second, but um, I mean there was no doubt really that he's the the best sprinter on earth, but he um. He confirmed it, and we've got it rated at you know, not only at least as good as anything he's done in the past, but a pound to the the good. So he's three TJ Smiths. We've got him running 129, 129, and now 130, and it's splitting hairs. I mean, it's not a lot in it, but 130. The you know, the model says that's a better better solution for the you know that fits the data better than 129 would. So um, yeah, it's a big performance. I mean, he put a a really nice big gap on him. One of the interesting things about this race as well is that watching the race I was um thinking gee why would Nash the only way to beat no I mean it's pretty clear the way to beat this horse right we've we've seen a lot of Eduardo and Nature Strip we've seen a lot of Nature Strip full stop and the way to to get him to run below these big world-class levels is to get in his face and to make him hurry and he didn't seem to make Nature Strip hurry he let him flow and Surely, when you look at the sectionals, though, they went fast. They posted a, a world-class time. It was the best time figure of the day by a mile on ground that was legitimately heavy. The suggestion that was 10 up to 9. Lol. Yeah, come on. Come <laughs> on. They were running this, like, historically slow times. It was That's as heavy as, as Randwick gets, to be honest. But Nature Strip's time, far and away the, the best on the card, and, and the sectionals would say that he went plenty fast enough and that, if anything, you know, Nash paced Eduardo really well. But I still, even looking at that, I still think, Wow, the way to beat Nature Strip is to try and bring Nature Strip strip undone, and that's to rush him. And he didn't. So if Nature Strip doesn't have to hurry, then he goes really fast. So um, he did and posted. We're saying the best performance of his his career, albeit by slender margins, and it's a number that he's basically been at for 
a very long time now. But his longevity is, um, you know, huge credit to him now as well. And he's got such depth to his CV to go with these big peaks. So I think, you know, it might have been a debate for a little while about, you know, who's the best post-Black Caviar sprinter with him. It's, you know, Chautauqua, Blanken Rupi. Blanken Rupi, I think, when he was absolutely at his best, would have um, given Nature Strip a hell of a lot to think about, but at the same time he he didn't do it for anywhere near as long and, and build up the, the CV that Nature Strip has got. So um, he was more of a shooting star, Lankan Rupi. He had basically, he had that big lightning win, but he also had that one autumn where he... The super prep. Yeah, he went to Rubiton, Oakley Plate, Newmarket, and then smashed buffering in a TJ Smith with a similar performance to, to this, basically. That's, this is what we're, we're dealing with, much the same. On heavy ground, I'm trying to remember back, was it heavy ground? But we were there and it was absolutely pouring rain, so I'm going to assume it was. I think it – you're going to look it up now, but I think it was – that was the chat pre-race, I remember, was will he get through the ground? Yeah, and Did heavy. he get through it? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, it was um, heavy. He killed him. Around one twelve fourteen that day, Lincoln Rupee, which was quicker than Nature Strip, but as I said, it was um, heavy, heavy. Real heavy. I mean, we don't know exactly. There's obviously different kinds of heavy, and when you observe times, you don't actually know what it is that's causing the effect that you're observing. You don't know whether it's that it's deep ground or jockeys come back and they say sometimes it's sticky and they you know they know what they're talking about, presumably. So there are different kinds of heavy. So, yeah, you don't actually, when you, you're dealing with times, you don't actually know what it is you're observing. You just observe. But based on times, this was... They were slow. The times on the day were as slow as they really get before we get to what we saw in the first three races at Rose Hill last week, which was even slower again. That's South Island, New Zealand stuff, and, and then they get called off. So we were we were probably a couple of lengths slower and rain coming down. We were probably off. We don't race on much heavier here. Certainly not in, in metropolitan areas. Now the big question we all want answered. Is he going? To Royal Ascot. Well, that, I mean, they've they've said so. They've said so. They've and said so a lot. They've said so a lot. I mean, he's what's he seven now? I mean, I think these when you travel, you should travel on the way up as opposed to on the way down. Um, but at the same time, he's as good as he's ever been right now, and he's in great health and a stiff five at at Ascot because I assume they'll go to the King Stand fresh there. Well, they're not going to run him against each other. Not if they can avoid it, no. So um, not if Coolmore get their way, no. So um, yeah, I assume he'll he'll go to the King Stand. I hope he goes to the King Stand. And there's nothing. I mean, we saw the Alquaz in Dubai last week, where a few of the men of promise probably dented his. Well, not probably he, he dented did. his reputation. Yeah. Not little excuses, but still, the big hope of the the performance leading into that was dented. Um, creative force ran poorly at his first run back and he was the champion sprint winner last year. So I suppose in, in England there would have been hope that he was the, the one and, and Sueza, who's a I think a very talented horse, but she she ran poorly and she's now run poorly three times in a row either side of of a seasonal break. So Breeding assuming or predicting that she's gonna produce that sort of Goodwood winning form from last year. I mean, it, it's now a rating that's pretty much isolated, stands out there on its own and you can't help but think that she won't repeat this. But sometimes they can repeat even when I think they won't. Just like Fireburn. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see her do that. And how good was Abdullah? If you didn't love that. I that mean, was brilliant. What are you in the game for? That was good fun. Be but, entitled to do it as well because they, you know, they talked it up a bit, yeah. which is also great, by oh, the way. Talk unreal. It up. But then 
you know, she's extreme, got her chance this time. She ran a race. She ran terrific. She went on to win her race, I think, she's extreme. And you'd make a case she, she ran up and she did win her race and then Fireburn got, got motoring and just got stronger and stronger the further they went and smashed her to pieces and ran amazingly the, an identical rating to, to what she did in, in the Golden Slipper. And I was looking at it, I mean, now if you go back, mathematically speaking, you would be between three and four times more confident about that Golden Slipper rating now that she's repeated it. So now... Can, You're a believer. I can I can finally believe it. There's um, all of a sudden that golden slipper rating doesn't look well. Of course, it's got another one mm. next to it, but it looks really solid now. So um, she's very very good. We've got to be careful in racing in terms of like Brendan Abdullah. What a comeback from his injury. He's a personality, and we need personalities in the game. And what we saw from him on the weekend is what we want. It's how we want to showcase our sport good to see the rivalry between the jockeys and the horses and you don't want to get to the point where you know you've got sporting stars nowadays they're so scared to talk to media that they're gonna you know seem arrogant or showboaty or that's what he said about origin cameron smith they'd pick the same team new south wales and he'd say oh they're going to give us a great match knowing full well they're going to smash us <laughs> and it would have been so much better for the sport if he came out and said oh you picked mitchell pierce again that's pretty funny we're going to kill him and so stuff Seeing, you know, Brenton do that on the weekend, it's I think it's great for the game. And obviously within reasons it wasn't, I don't think, dangerous. He copped the fine. I'm sure he's happy to and play on and wasn't as good as his bow on the squirty spirit, but up there. No. He's putting together a nice body of work though, isn't he? Yeah. No, it's great fun. Was there really anyone that cared? Nah. They shouldn't have. No, it was great. Biggest flopperoo went to the supposed best horse in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a... Um that's a question mark now, isn't it? Euphoria in the Osaka High yesterday was um, plain, plain, plain on his first run for the um, for the year. Um, clearly not himself. The horse that won the race, he was five lengths behind him in the Tenno Show last year. He smashed him Pottinger to to absolute pieces there. So he, you know he wasn't himself on the day and. What have you? That's disappointing, isn't it? I saw there'd been some suggestion that he was going there eighty percent. This is on Twitter. Oh, he's you know, four is going there eighty percent fit. I'm like, wow, you guys just don't get maths, do you? Because if he's eighty percent fit, he's um, he's not going to make it to the corner. He made it to the corner. Not much further. Um, yeah, but beaten what's that? Four and a half at two's on. He deserves his um, flop of the week crown for for that display. I, I would say four, and he'll um. I assume he goes to the Takarazuka Keenan over twenty two hundred now and tries to um tries to redeem himself. But when you do that first run of a season as well, it's sort of um ooh it's a bit of a that's a bit of a concern. Maybe Nature Strip, I'm trying to think now off the top of my head, if he's fallen off the top, the big Yank Dirt monster went under in Dubai, all of a sudden Nature Strip is he the best sprinter in the world or is he as it stands the best horse in the world? Is he now world's best horse? <laughs> he might be. WBH, yeah. Give him the, give him the belt. Yeah, and your mate Jack Daw disappointed a touch there as mm. well, running fifth. And again, Pottinger was five lengths behind him the start before, mm. so he's obviously had a, he's come off the the big peak there. But had he stayed at home in his box, it would have been a nice advertisement for his form. We'd be saying, how good is this horse? But unfortunately, he went there and got beat by it as well. <laughs> and I don't think looking at the sectionals out of the race, it wasn't anything untoward in terms of overdoing it in front. He went as fast or very similar the start prior when he gapped him. So whether or not he was 62 days into his first up run, 43 days, and then he's gone three weeks into that. So maybe 
just backed him up a bit quick. Maybe. Maybe. If I'm looking for an excuse, but... He's, I mean, he's very firm in the betting and... Mm. No, disappointing. He's, Too he's disappointed, big. but he doesn't win the award because Afori was even more disappointing. So he gets away with it. The worst part about this is if you've told me Afori is going to flop, well, I'm you know counting the cash on Jack Dorr because they've ran well below what he produced the start prior mm. and I still haven't collected, so... It's a hard game, but it's a hard don't game. let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> On from the flopperoo to our awards. Oh, yeah. Now, this is an interesting one, the Taylor Penrith Award. So this is oh, the, this is good. This is the reverse flusher. So this is given to the jockey who rides the most inefficient race. Is yeah. that a fair this way really, of putting it? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Furthest from, furthest from what we deem the... Um, and, Dave, far, and we're talking in times here, so the furthest away from the, the best way to run fast time. So that doesn't take into account the result. No, and it clearly doesn't here because <laughs> the winner of this award, and don't, this fa- don't fall out of your chair, Hugh, but you are the Taylor Penrith Award winner, Hugh Bowman on Honey Creeper. Yeah, what a shocking ride, only <laughs> winning by three and a half. <laughs> it, might, um, it might paint our system in a bad light as opposed to um, our system for selecting the Pendrith winner in a bad light rather than Hugh Bowman. Well, we but at the same time, I mean, she has finished full of running. She is roaring away from them at the finish there. Um, and we don't want to manufacture these awards. And we don't. We've got to, we've got to be honest. The numbers, <laughs> we're going with the numbers and the numbers say that like finishing the way she did was um, finishing in 35.8. At the on very testing ground there, and, and the way things unfolded, um, we're saying she could have run much faster than that had she been had more use been made of her early. Um, so the interesting thing about that, I mean, of course, it's ridiculous to go potting Hugh for for that ride. The stewards um, didn't haul him in for it. <laughs> yeah, they did not. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that, it, and this is the probably the best thing, or the thing to take away from the Taylor Pendrith Award week on week is that it's. It's a horse to follow mm. because we think there's there's a sign there that the horse hasn't used everything that it's got in the tank. So we're saying Honey Creeper's done that running away and could have won by further in a more evenly run race. Um, so she must be a massive Oaks contender on similarly, I assume, similar, mm. we're going to get heavy again, aren't we, on Saturday? Sunny today and then the rain comes. Oh, fingers crossed they get a little bit lucky. But even so, it's she's got to be a... Um, a big Oaks chance. So she ran time form 103, which is not abnormal at all for a um, – the place getters here were a bit below standard for a, an Adrian Knox. So the winner, we're not saying, was any better than a normal. How'd you produce that? Do you reckon she wins that race in Tassie? <laughs> well, that's what I was about to ask you, actually. I was cause, what do we, So the funny thing is, off this performance, she's a massive Oaks contender. 103, as I said, Adrian Knox fillies tend to run well in the Oaks, and this is well up to scratch for a winner of it, and we're saying she – could have, should have, would have been even better than that in a different scenario. So she's, well, here we go. She wins the Oaks. Um, but what about the first dozen runs? <laughs> what do we What do we make of all of this? This seems like a big spike. Are we buying into the blinkers? Well, I don't know. So we're saying 88 to 103, so it is a big spike. Blinkers, wet track. There were a couple, I mean, and that is the thing as well about ground like this is different to what, these horses have generally faced. So, and a couple of her better runs before that had also been on heavy tracks. So clearly that's something that mm. that suits her. Um, and we've seen 
this carnival in, in Sydney that some of this form has sort of um, seemed a little bit um, condition-specific, let's call it that, yeah. condition-specific form. Yeah. It's going to be um, taking this form to another carnival is... So, do, yeah, uh, it makes it... E- but even those results, they make it easy to believe that, oh, okay, they, she's run well outside her prior range. But, yeah, horses are doing that because this is well outside normal conditions. Looking at the Oaks market, how would you stack her up against, say, Pink Ivory? Well, she's run... We were declaring Pink Ivory was the Adrian Knox filly, weren't we? Mm. Um so in the, in the all-in markets and RNS, not that the not that this really works this way because they're different races run differently. But um, if you try and sort of fit her in ratings-wise to the to the vinery, she's sort of where she runs on on Saturday. She's sort of in just in with Gypsy Goddess and Never Been Kissed, and basically with Pink Ivory. So she fits right in off mm. that performance. But we did say, and I still say. Gypsy Goddess and even Yearn- and Yearning as well, who was a um, Pendrith winner herself, mm. were um, finishing fast there in another slowly run race and look like they've got bigger runs in them as well. So I think she she won the Adrian Knox like she had more to come and she'll need it. She's going to need to produce a better piece of form. Well, that's, this is pretty obvious. She's going to need to produce better form to, to beat those fillies in the Oaks. And I think, I mean, Pink Ivory would have been Really well fancied to win that, wouldn't she? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. She's going to be well fancied to win the Oaks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the looking at the early market, Hinged is up the top of the market and I would be laying her off the gap. Don't like Hinged? No, slowly running. I mean, she's going to be the top rated horse in it. Yeah, don't care. Yeah, don't <laughs> she was given every conceivable chance in that binary and I want to be – I know it's easy to chase yeah. the run on horses – yeah, I know. What you mean, but, but she has to be a risk going out in trip, I think. I'll be surprised if they're not better than her going out in trip would be the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, she might have benefited a little bit from both the the Vinery being over 1850, not 2000, and on ground that wasn't quite as heavy as what, mm. certainly not as heavy as what Ramwick was or not not as slow as what Ramwick was on Saturday. Put it this way, I'm surprised she's in the Oaks. I thought they would have gone Queen of the Turf. I, suppose, I mean, Fangirl just looks built for that so mm. I said oh but I mean different owners so they don't get to make those decisions do they but I mean generally it's back in trip with Waller as opposed to what yeah I mean he loves trying to turn stays into milers mm. but yeah interesting that she goes to the Oaks but um yeah I'm, I'm with you I would fancy Gypsy Goddess to turn the tables on her maybe even Pink Ivory and I think Honey Creeper ties in with them as I said and Yearning is just looking at that market a little big she does seem the the little bit big one because I thought she was good without um, without being given much of a, a chance. Really, well, I mean, let's be, let's be honest. She was given no chance at Newcastle at all. Yeah. Um, Barrier trial. P- yep. Pink Ivory will be the trendy. J Mac on. Oh, is that you know, Eve? Uh, and the Walrus training is a master oaks trainer. Mm. She'll be, I think, looking at that early market. It's her and Gypsy Goddess fighting out for favoritism. I would think come Saturday. Yeah, I mean the the big the big ratings models aren't going to let hinged too I mean, far away. Yeah, they're not going to let her go around at a stupid price just because you might think she might not stay because computer models aren't thinking she might not stay. Then I think no, I don't <laughs> think I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you th- that I know. You think you know? <laughs> That's always a dangerous. <laughs> it is very dangerous, especially when you're making assumptions. The Colin Morikara Award. So this is also. 
funny looking back at who's won the Taylor Pendrith and now who's going to win the Colin Morikara, but it is Josh Parr for two rides. Yeah, he's had a great day, Josh, with a fine ride on Maurice's me dad to get beaten inside 12 lengths in the derby. <laughs> People might be listening going, we're insane. Yeah, well, they wouldn't be far wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we don't want to sit here and do the same thing that everyone else is doing and saying the guy who ducked and weaved and won. I mean, most people probably just about give Hugh the ride of the day on Honey Creeper, mm. wouldn't they? Yeah. Cut I like, the corner. Well, I like swimming against the tide, so. In the bin with Hugh for Honey Creeper. Shocker. And what a ride. Josh Parr on Maurice is me dad. Got the best out of him in, in the derby there to be only beaten a dozen lengths. He's maximised. He has. But, I mean, it, there's two races going on there, isn't there? There's the the listed race in the in the background and then there was the derby up front between three horses and it was a spectacular derby. Oh. It's interesting, you can't actually rate it. Hitotsu, I saw there was suggestion, so Hitotsu was brilliant the way he, it's, but it's more about how he did it. He yeah. went from a mile on quick ground to a mile and a half up to, you know, in really testing surface. He had to get going earlier than I'm sure they, they wanted to. They would have loved to have just sat back and turned it into a sit and sprint, you know, like they did in the VRC derby. I mean, I'm sure that's that's the best scenario for him, but because um, he would have, like he did in the VRC derby with Allegron, he would hammer him when it turns into a battle of acceleration and speed. But this couldn't be that, and he still managed to, you know, get pushed out wide, have Benno run in top of him, have Allegron come out and spear him under um, the very much out of form Hugh Bowman. <laughs> And he still manages to, after all of that, to basically the last 100 metres, he, he goes and goes again and sticks his beak out and wins his second derby, ticks off all those neat, cute, historical things like first since Mahogany. And only him and Mahogany and Dulcify have done that. I mean, that's some company, isn't it? That's elite. That's elite company. Um, but you can't rate it too highly because how how highly do you want to rate Benno? Yeah. And even to a, to some extent, Allegron. The race fits really neatly around 118 for the winner, which is the interesting thing about that being that after this, it's sort of wow, he's the he's the best three year old in the country, and you know maybe he is, um, but good luck rating him the equal of Animo, and they have raced, and Animo smacked him up in the Caulfield Guineas. Now I know Hitotsu has come on leaps and bounds since then. He's a he's a different model now, and maybe he would. You know, he'd certainly give Animo a better race. Maybe he'd beat him. And Animo's beatable. Animo, you know, has been beaten several times. But he's better than that. And then the one that everyone keeps forgetting, I mean, and then it's, you know, he's a Totsu the best reality. Has he trumped Animo? Home Affairs has is just sitting at home going, I beat Nature Strip. Who? <laughs> That's better form than all this junk. He stepped outside the three-year-old bubble and beaten the best sprinter in the world. Admittedly, he was fortunate. In doing so, he sent out his fellow three-year-old as a you know to wipe out the champ. Profiteer goes and does the right thing by his by his mate by his mate and spears into Nature Strip from the start and makes it hard for him. And maybe Nature Strip should have beaten him. But if Nature Strip should have beaten him, it's not by not by much. It's not by far, is it? Mm, it can't be. And the time's great, and he smashed them by a record margin in the Coolmore. And he's a super super cult home affairs. No one, no one cares. No, he hasn't raced for a while. Although I do get that and I see the beauty in it because, you know what, everyone hates sprinters. I don't think – you know what it we is. We want mile-and-a-half yeah. horses. We, we, you, as soon as they get to 2,000 metres, we, we put them on a higher plane where their form is never – particularly in Australia. It's, the further they go, the weaker it is. Sprinters are boring because they race over the same distance all the time. Yeah, that's true as well, isn't it? So we're very lucky to be 
at racing and sports and have access to the racing and sports database, which we can look at all the ratings. But for those people at home who don't have a database to look at, you know how they rate horses? How horses put money in their pocket. Yeah. And if you're a fan of Hitotsu, there's nothing gives a horse ability like money won. Oh. And the way he won on the weekend, if you don't love him after that, I know. what more do you want from him? No. That's, how, that's why people – and Animo, you know what he's done this prep? No money in people's pockets. So, you know, no. I can understand why people love Hitotsu. Do you know what? Because I do. That's a great point and I like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, he was before the absolute smash-up job in the betting and these connections, my God, haven't they got a bit in their pockets over the last 12 months? <laughs> that they did not miss him in the VRC derby. But before that, he was double-figure odds in for you know three days of betting going into the derby. They're giggling. And, you know, so he jumped short enough, but he was um, plenty of plenty of... Uh, opinion players and racing fans would have got good, pretty flash prices about him to win that derby. And then, yeah, he was seven, eight dollars. You could take maybe even probably even traded a bit better in the guineas, and then three eighty for most of the week mm. for the opinion players and the spreadsheet nerds this week. So for race fans, Hitotsu, what a champ! I get that entirely. Mm. And you know the interesting thing with the Australian guineas was because post spring it was Hitotsu v Profondo. Yeah, and if I said to you there and then that Profondo would be favourite and Hitotsu would be the one that was soft. In the Australian Guineas, wasn't that bizarre? Mm. Yeah, I know. I mean, Although, it, I mean, I say it's bizarre. So it's so much easier to say yeah. after Profondo's flopped twice. Like, oh, of course. But. Obviously. And that's it for him? For Hitotsu? Yeah. For now? So for he now. doesn't, he won't turn around next week? No. No. I think it's Cox Plate, Melbourne Cup, Spring. Bring it on. Sounds Sounds good. I mean, I mean they're, they're talking Japan to, Cup, um, aren't they? Is that was, did heard, I see that right? I've heard suggestion at racingandsports.com that they have um, they have mentioned that same connections mentioned that with Sir Dragonet, but got um, I was going to say logistics probably brought him unstuck, but so did having a horse that probably wasn't quite built for that. But um, and ratings wise, neither's this one, but he might get there, and he's um, he keeps leaping bars at at this stage. Um, so yeah. Back to what this was all about was uh, the great ride from Josh Parr on Maurice's Me Dad. He also was very close. And the reason he gets it, because there was actually a tie at the top. But he had a count back. So the, he uh, had a good back nine? He did. Well, he rode Bellucci Babe almost like we're talking to the 10th. Just, yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest. It was, it was perfect on Bellucci Babe as well and got her to run the race of her life. She's in great form and she's another one who's clearly... Um, benefited from conditions in recent times, I think. I mean, she looks, she's found this vintage form at, at the same time as we've found, you know, think it record rains. But yeah. he gave it, you know, she couldn't possibly run better than what she did to finish fourth there in the... Um, no way. TJ Smith. So he's he's had a big day, Josh. And so, yeah, so he gets the, um, he gets the award on Countback because the other perfect ride on the card was in the Doncaster and that was... Um, it shocked you because... It shocked me because I didn't think Jamie Carr could ever match it with the big boys <laughs> in Sydney, as you know. <laughs> so Doncasters are a different different world. Jamie's not good enough to ride a Doncaster winner. And she wasn't. She wasn't. Got it right. Spot <laughs> on. credit where credit is due. Every chance. She gave Forbidden Love pace-wise and you know, every possible chance. And she yielded a little bit in a... In a different race, a, a mile maybe is just beyond her, just beyond her, because it was a slowly run 1500, the George Ryder. Mm. So she, she got away with that maybe to, to an extent, but she'll go back to the all age, and if it keeps raining, 
she didn't um she didn't drop her bundle here enough to well barely at all to be honest to um to think that she won't be a, a terrific chance in that um but yeah terrific ride from Jamie and a uh, a bit of a blow for the the narrative that Melbourne horses can't win the Doncaster thoughts all star mile one two three yeah I mean we'll probably start seeing more of that as well because it's I assume that the all-star mile continues in its current format in to some extent. I mean, that you have a big mile for five million bucks, you're going to get similar horses to the ones that go to the big mile for three million bucks three mm. weeks later. So that form is going to continue to cross over a lot. Mm. So it's had the two favourites for the Doncaster the last two years were off the all-star mile. They couldn't start favourite this year. You were right about that. Forbidden Love was very well fancied. Um Started nine to four official SP forbidden mm. love in a Doncaster. Man, oh man! If you tell me that, I mean, I did, we're try, talking, and, I did, did try and tell you that. Well, <laughs> if you tell me that eight weeks ago, though, no, I could have told I mean, you after holy the ride. Holy smokes! How on earth? Mm. How on earth? But she's she's run out of her skin. So, tell you what, does Huey ever put a bad one in in the Doncaster? He gives them every possible every year. Yeah, and ah, oh. I mean, again, the, and this is the way I rate things as well. This is. I said this after the All-Star Mile, the, the thing about Thunderstruck is, to me, he, he just is such a great ad for his trainers, the two mix, mm. because um, they basically told everyone what they were going to do and they did it. Unfortunately, they didn't land any. They didn't land one of the big prizes, but um, he's run two perfect little prep runs at, in races that don't probably suit him ideally, but then he's, you, just, you can see the peak and then repeat peak, bang, bang. So 119 in the All-Star Mile, what did he run on Saturday? So time form, he's gone 119, 124. Yeah. Any chance backing up if they do elect? Where does he fit in, do you think? Oh, next week. Well, I said off the All-Star Mile, I think there was some clues there that he was about as good as Zaki. Um, but he, you couldn't make him as likely as Zaki. But, he, yeah, he's, he wouldn't be – he's not 50s. Mm. But he's it's going to take more winning than this. Yeah, seeing off very elegant in you know, a grand final – Animo had a little setback. Yeah, but, he's already not favourite. But trust the stable. Stable turn up with him. He's fine. Um, Does Jewess, oh, Monophilia. She'll run. Monophilia is being undersold, I think. Because I think that I think that Ramvit is being thrown up as a, like she got away. It was, it was slowly run. But I think people are underselling how good that race was. As I think, was it last week? Was that Jewess was just last week. I'm saying mm. Montefilia actually... Outrates her slightly, mm. whereas I think weight of money will go the other way. Yeah. I can sort of the other thing. I can sort of I can see through the ratings and I can understand why. I get it because there's a plus on that one twenty of mm. Juice and she can she can go better again. It's just how valuable is beating a couple of Manion Cup horses in, at Newcastle? Could have been the Sydney Cup winner. It was Stockman. Stockman yeah, she's I wish she ran on Saturday. <laughs> um, it still hasn't been decided which way she goes I think it's I mean I get both sides But wow That Sydney Cup is <laughs> There for the taking If they want it I reckon if they I reckon if they're looking at times and, and the ground on Saturday And how testing that was And they think it's going to be Back into that range next week Because of rain Depending on the rain I think they might get a little bit sc- I know Ratings wise and talent wise Yeah Look she walks in the Sydney Cup mm. Fine She blows them to absolute bits but it might not be 
you know, she still that that assumes that she runs anywhere near a rating, whereas maybe two miles in up to their knees, mm. I mean, that might just find her out because she's won both the Australian Cup and the Tancred with a big burst of speed. Like she's she's absolutely stitched them up for for being brilliant, really. Um, so if the Sydney Cup was going to be a completely different test, it might actually be that it's a terrible decision to go to the Sydney Cup, even though she's got a huge ratings edge. Mm. Because she doesn't have a huge ratings edge if she doesn't run her rating. No. But because <laughs> yeah. That's the old classic. They're not machines. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's just a – I mean, in a sense, it's like a heightened version of what Forbidden Love faced here, where she, she earned her place at the top of the Doncaster betting by winning races with great ratings. And, she you know, she was the weighted moral in the race. But the way that she'd achieved that was completely different to what she was going to face on – on Saturday, and so we're saying Jamie Carr gave her the absolute A one, and she still regressed on her form because I think that heavy track mile probably did just just catch her out. But she ran great. She, uh, in golf terms, she broke the course record off the whites, and then they put her off the black tees on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and her stroke gains, her strokes gained figures off the whites said that you know she can win off the blacks for sure, but it is it's still a different game, isn't it? Have you got a sneaky for the Masters? No, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to start digging. Well, save that for the preview. Unfortunately, one thing I have had a look at, and that is Taylor Pendrith is not playing. He didn't get oh. in. He didn't get in. But one day he will. Spurred <laughs> on by being abused on a racing podcast in Australia, <laughs> if that doesn't light a fire under him, he'd be at the. I mean, I'm sure they're at the. He's at the range every day. He's putting in an extra hour, isn't he? Oh, for sure. And it's all irons now. He's not on the putting green. He's all just trying to stripe these irons. Is he? Because <laughs> he's going to show these two young Aussie bucks. Like I can, I can hit it out of the middle. <laughs> I, I promise you I can. I mean, he um, he's certainly trying to uh, show us up on these awards. He's starting to hit it well. And if he does get his irons right, he'll win something. Actually, on the stat that we, when we picked the awards names, um, pretty much since we did that, Morikawa was the best ball striker in the game at that point. And he's come off his form a little bit. And Pendrith has risen from the bottom of the... He was actually the bottom of the top, if that makes sense. Yeah. He was the best... He was the worst... Striker, ball striker of the best. Top 150, right? Top 150 in yeah. the world. So. so he's a freak. <laughs> but he's not. Yeah. I know, I mean, he's he's gotten up a little bit since, but I still note that what's holding him back is his irons. Yeah, we're right. Yeah, we're right. Yeah. If he could fix that up, hopefully we've, we can light that fire underneath him and turn him into a superstar. Numbers don't lie. No. As they don't with this week's Bruce McAvaney Award winner. That is just so exciting. And we head over to Perth. I'm sure if you've been on social media, you wouldn't have missed this one. Amelia's Jewel, in terms of visual wins, they don't get any more impressive than no, what it she looked, produced. No, it looked good. So how good was it? You tell me. I'm telling you it was good. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. But uh, so the la- her, both her last start performances have looked unreal. She's been ridden back in the field and come home with what looks to be a withering burst, but they have cooked it up front in both races and where she was positioned on Saturday was actually the A1 in terms of a race shape and pace. Yeah, okay. So she was perfectly positioned there. I don't think it was intentional. They drew wide and they rode her back, but she was in the right spot. So she's ran a figure of 107, which we did a bit of back handicapping this morning. So Lucky Street is the highest rated winner of the Karakata in recent times. He won by four and a half, running 109 in 2015. Whispering Brook ran 107 in 2016. So she emulated Whispering Brook on the weekend. Good Philly. Good Philly went on to be obviously Group 1 competitive. She ran 107 and 104 time figure. So the only fillies 
so far this season to eclipse that is Fireburn and She's Extreme, Cornella from the size, and Cool and Gadda on 109. So suggestion that she was the best filly in Australia and better than Fireburn, that's just – and I've admittedly fallen into it because last week I said I just can't see Fireburn repeating what she did in the Golden Slipper. So I've got to put my hand up and say I didn't respect her enough either. But she's done it again now. To say that this filly rounding up no names in Perth – and I'd say this with all due respect, I love Perth racing, great mm. racing over there. And it is strong and the numbers hold up really well in the East. But that's not within – like Fireburn would murder those. Murder them. Admittedly. Chalk and cheese because we're talking heavy ground, etc. But it's yeah. ridiculous comparison. Isn't oh, it? it's ridiculous. If Fireburn is settling back where she is, she's not getting nearer. She's beating the rest, but then Fireburn's comfortably beating her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit of statistical inference from results from the past would tell you that fillies that win the Golden Slipper and the size are better than fillies that win the Karakata Plate. Right? Oh, undoubtedly. Even from the top range. How much smaller is the pool in WA? For two-year-olds, yeah, as opposed to what wins a slipper, yeah. So we're, I mean, but she's still 107. She's she's one of the good Eastern fillies anyway. So that's what a good Eastern filly looks like over there, I suppose. I can confidently say she's. Like f- I'm being disrespectful to the West there, but well, we love the West, but she's the fourth best filly in the country, and I'd be confident with that. I don't think you can say she's better than Cool and Gatter, she's Extreme or Fireburn. I think if you are, you're fudging your numbers. Yeah, well. My numbers say that she's not either, so um, Her numbers naturally I agree with you. It's as if we're in the same office. Yeah. I just remembered as well, I've got to do around the grounds. I oh. assume, of course, I did forget about that, but I did scribble them down before. Mm. I assume she was the best time figure, the yeah. best speed figure in Perth on Saturday, yeah. surely. Yeah, 104. And Nature Strip ran, I think time figure was 124. Unbelievable. Really fast. So, you know, world-class performance from Nature Strip. Obviously the best at Rose Hill. The best at Bendigo was Cherry Tortoni. The champ. He put it together. So he ran 107 there winning a well-contested, strongly run, strongly run, yeah, good time out of the Golden Mile. So that'll be a good piece of form going into the winter months and I can almost smell the build-up to the Winter Championships already. One of the great, great meetings. Can't wait. Adelaide's Carnival's around the corner and they had a listed sprint there that Lombardo went over there. I think he's got three of them, three or four from four in in Adelaide now. He was a little bit below his best form, not much. And so it basically looks... And he did run the best time. Although it was well... The time figure's only 92. Still the best time on that Adelaide card, but he only ran 17 pounds faster than the maiden winner over the same distance. 75 rated maiden winner. So time figure of 92. He's a 110 horse, basically. So it's, it's not fast time for him overall but the form looks solid the form looks fine so he's he's done pretty well there and the best in brisbane was enterprise pom you know her i do three-year-old filly she beat solid markers in the in the three-year-old open up there and ran a time figure 102 which is pretty good and you know she's been that good before she probably hasn't got the record yet she's she's duffed it a couple of times in races that she looked to have the form to win she's been around as well i think she's with a third or fourth stable um, but she'd come from behind, and she ran a shocker, behind that Prince of Boom up there. Mm. He's come back and run 108, 109 up there. So he's, um, she's probably a fringe player for the, the carnival. She'll go into those three-year-old, you know, mm. listed group three sprints. Like, that'll be her level. I doubt she's better than that. Because she's run to this number before, behind Jamea in Sydney, actually. She ran fourth. But, yeah, Prince of Boom looks like he's, he's a proper carnival horse for the, the locals up there. Lead the assault? 
Well, I mean, they've got isotope and... She is all guns blazing towards that, assuming. I, su- I suppose she's going, she'll be going to the big sprints, I would, I would suggest. Um, and I saw Eduardo's not going up there. Nature won't Nature's go. If supposedly he goes to going to the UK. Yep. So, um, the Stradbroke winner is running in the Arrowfield on the weekend. Who's that? In the Congo. Oh, yeah, no, he does He does have a whiff of Stradbroke about him, doesn't he? And they've held him back. So, yeah, all those horses are, um, all those horses mentioned are in a different world to Enterprise Pom, but she did run the best time figure there on Saturday. So that's, that's around the grounds. That wraps us up. That can wrap us up. You'll hear from us on Friday with a preview show. Thanks, guys.